this season on more and more every day. Let's do something together every day to be better oral historians. I don't know about you, but I love a daily task, whether it's a writing prompt to get me focused or a quick icebreaker to start class discussion. I love short, easy challenges. That's why this season's 10-minute or so episodes will feature experts, like-minded colleagues, resources, and things I'm learning along the way. But each episode will also end with a prompt, something you and I can do that day to improve our skills as oral historians. I'm your host, Summer Sherland. Let's do this. Today's episode is called Boundaries, i.e. you're not a therapist. (laughs) In the spring of 2020, when the world seemed to be shutting down, I did the only thing I knew how to do to maintain a sense of normalcy. I started interviewing people. And if you've listened to any of the episodes from our first season of the More and More Everyday podcast, you know that with a few colleagues and a handful of students, the South Phoenix Oral History Project conducted about 50 interviews with students and teachers who were just beginning to feel out the realities of living, teaching, and learning in the COVID-19 era. That first season is mostly a collection of hour or so long interviews uncut with people just coming to terms with the world being turned upside down. I conducted the majority of these interviews on my laptop at home using Zoom or Audacity. It was just me, a few helpers, and the World Wide Web. I quickly came to see that people needed to talk. They felt compelled to share their observations on watershed days. I can't tell you how many people I interviewed who mentioned the same things when they talked about when they knew everything was about to change. I would bet about 80% of our interviewees discussed toilet paper empty shelves at the grocery store, or stark, empty classrooms as evidence that life had shifted overnight. But they also shared with us, and therefore our listeners, struggles of balancing working from home, homeschooling their kids, mental health concerns, stress, anxiety, concern over the future of our society, worries about social injustice, and uncertainty about life ever, quote, returning back to normal. And by asking questions of our friends and colleagues, we were holding a space for them to air out their bottled up worries. Likewise, have you ever had a narrator ask you, why do you want to interview me? My life doesn't mean much. Or have you ever heard someone you're interviewing say, no one has ever asked me that question. I know I've talked with you about this before, but it truly is an honor to do these interviews. We get to create and hold space for people's memories. We get to validate and substantiate stories that have been silenced. We hear about pain, about joy, loss, struggle, conquest, and triumph, and lessons learned, all because we sat down and asked. But here's the thing. We aren't therapists. If anyone out there is a trained counselor, psychologist, or psychiatrist who is also an oral historian, please email me. I have so, so many questions. For the most part, those of you listening are probably academic or independent researchers oral historians who are looking for content about a specific topic and hoping to give voice to others who have so far been left out of the historical record. At least that's why I'm here. So what do you do with sensitive information? How do you establish boundaries with a narrator? How do you navigate deeply personal conversations that, though they may be juicy and interesting, may not pertain to your research? While I was doing all those COVID-19 interviews, I often said, I'm not a therapist, but I know how to ask questions, and I know how to hold space. Today, let's talk about walking that line. 
Valerie Yao has a couple of articles that we should take a look at. The first, Do I Like Them Too Much, was published in the Oral History Review in 1997. And she published a more recent article, What Can Oral Historians Learn from Psychotherapists? I like Yao's work because she recognizes that there is often an emotional outcome from these interviews. For instance, I've maintained friendly relationships with many of the people our students have interviewed. Sometimes they reach out to us when loved ones die or children graduate from college. Yao points out that historians are looking for content, for observations, and for information. Unlike psychoanalysts, they aren't necessarily hoping to improve the lives of their narrators through these conversations. But maybe we are looking to make improvements? If part of your mission is to reclaim a history or give credence to silenced voices, aren't you in a way trying to improve something about your narrator's lives? In contrast, Wendy Rickard wrote in a 1998 article that oral history may be more dangerous than therapy. Rickard's article emphasizes a concept called self-reflexivity, but she also probes this question of taboo. When we're asking our narrators to share memories, sometimes for the first time, of deeply personal, traumatic, or taboo subjects, aren't we engaging in some sort of dialogue that may or may not have therapeutic consequences? Trauma therapists sometimes employ EMDR with patients who have buried their painful memories. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, and it's meant to engage and activate a patient's memory of a traumatic event while he, she, or they focuses on an external stimuli. It's done over a series of sessions, usually eight or so, and the therapist doesn't really start the actual retrieval of the traumatic memory for several sessions until they believe their client is ready. And once that door is open, therapist and patient continue over several sessions, sometimes over weeks or months, until the therapy has reached a conclusion. All this is to point out the logistical differences between one kind of trauma-based therapy and what we do as oral historians. Think about the challenging topics breached by oral historians, Holocaust and genocide survivors, Native and Indigenous people who attended boarding schools, survivors and first responders to major events like 9-11 or mass shooting. Something tells me we aren't doing EMDR in these interviews, and I'm not saying we should. We're not licensed therapists. But we need to be aware that we may be conjuring up serious, difficult, and very lucid memories. Therapists know to continue and finish the conversation over time. Oral historians are trained to interpret a story. So what do we do? What do we do when a narrator brings up a traumatic memory? Or we realize that we've scratched the surface of something deeply painful. Stephen High edited an anthology in 2015 called Beyond Testimony and Trauma, Oral History in the Aftermath of Mass Violence. Several contributors discuss different methods of building relationships, negotiating shared authority, listening deeply, and collaborative listening. If you engage in oral histories that discuss sensitive or traumatic memories, I encourage you to get his book. I also like Stephen Sloan's article on oral history with Hurricane Katrina survivors, as well as the piece by Robert Reynolds, Trauma and the Relational Dynamics of Life History Interviewing. Or you might read Jennifer Kramer's first Do No Harm, Tread Carefully, where oral history, trauma, and current crises intersect. So today I want you to read about establishing boundaries with your narrators. 
that's a little cold. It sounds like you have a rude roommate. You need to set some guidelines. I don't mean it like that. I actually want you to do some research using the resources I've listed and your own areas of interest. For instance, if you're hoping to interview transitioning or transgender teens, seek out useful sources on this topic for insight. Then make a list of do's and don'ts for yourself. Fold a piece of paper in half in your journal down the middle and on one side, write the things that you really hope to do and be for your narrators. On the left, write down the things you plan not to do and the roles you don't plan to play. But then go one step further. Brainstorm an action plan on the left. For instance, if you can't be a therapist for your narrator, but suspect they could use some therapeutic intervention, why not have a plan in place? Seek out or find a psychologist or a center in your community that specializes in this kind of therapy, and perhaps mention a referral if your narrators seem to need this kind of support. Let us know how it goes. Reach out to us at SMCC History, hashtag more and more every day. We want to hear from you. Tell us how you did today at SMCC History. Use the hashtag more and more every day on Instagram and Twitter. Our email is historysouthmountain at gmail.com. And I hope you follow us, write a review, or suggest us to a colleague. More and More Every Day is brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project at South Mountain Community College in partnership with the Southwest Oral History Association. Music by Noah Gattel.